Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crystal Clodcast, the internet's definitely number one uncontested podcast about Steven Universe by the three of us who live in this house. <laughs> Yay! Uh, I'm your host, Laura, as ever here. Hello, I'm Laura K. Bars everywhere on the internet, and I'm here with Retta. And I am super Retta, most places on the internet. Hello, I'm Mia. You can find me at God on Twitter. Hooray! And that's us who are always on this show. Now, this episode we're going to be talking about episode 21, Joking Victim. Episode 22, Stephen and the Stevens. Episode 23, Monster Buddies. And episode 24, An Indirect Kiss. Now, you may notice we're not doing five this week. <gasps> so we, we looked ahead at episode numbers and we specifically want to avoid splitting up episodes that have continuing plot threads that are back-to-back. Episodes 24 and 25 do have an overarching story. Uh, 25 and 26, sorry. Either way, the next couple of episodes have an overarching story. We didn't want to split it up, so we're just doing four this week. We'll go back to five next week. Trust us, we'll tell you every week what episodes we're listening to and talking and watching and talking about. So uh, we have seen currently up to episode 122... Tiger Philanthropist. Uh, so yeah, I suppose we should start with episode 21. Who wants to talk about Joking Victim first? Um, I honestly don't have much interesting to say about the beginning of this. Yeah, I made um, I made a lot of notes about this episode, about what was going on, but none of them are big, big things. So like the early theme we have going on is... One of excessive pranks. The episode opens up with Amethyst using fire salt, this thing that's making Stephen almost, like, breathe fire. It's like, ah, it's a silly, silly joke. Yeah, it's it's the hot sauce prank. It, yeah. It's the hot sauce prank, but she doesn't quite seem to get that Stephen's a human and that will have a more considerable dangerous effect on him. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's still a jerk. She's so mean. Yeah. Again, it's, it's the big sister pulling a yeah. prank on the little brother thing. Yeah, so Stephen run, gets fire salted and he runs into the big donut and pours a bunch of uh, fizzy drinks in his mouth to try and calm them down. And I think it's Sadie that makes a point that tells us a lot about Stephen. I cleaned up the last five Stevens. <laughs> yeah, clearly he makes messes in there a lot. Stephen. I just love that they call any mess that he makes a Stephen. Yeah, it's a it's a Stephen. It's become like the noun for like, oh, a big mess was made. Oh, that's a Stephen <laughs> to deal with. Um, so yeah, there's not really much to say that's of interest. Plot things that happen. Uh, Lars fakes being ill. Stephen's working at the big donut in Lars's place. And Stephen makes a joke and Sadie clearly gets the joke but doesn't laugh at it. She has her, like, uh, what what was it? It's, napkins. Are they called napkins because you nap on them? And she's like, not really. Good joke, though. Like, yeah. I, I, mm, I feel like it shows the kind of difference in maturity between I the two I was going to say, if not maturity, it's definitely like an age, age gap. gap. Yeah. In oh. that he's saying something and she's kind of like that's not why it is but I get that you've made a joke there and that was funny yeah. well it's it's interesting because there's a couple of points in this episode where both ways round one of them will make a joke and the other it just doesn't land with the other one of them mm. so there's a point later in the episode where Sadie makes a joke and it completely flies past Stephen I think it's 
she jokes about Stephen taking Lars's position at the Big Donut. Oh, yeah. And he just doesn't see that it's a joke. Yeah, he takes it sincerely. Like, I don't know what the issue is, but the two of them have a, a sense of humour that doesn't quite mesh with each other. I think it can even go beyond sense of humour because there's also the scene where... Stephen says, um, we both love Laz. And you see Sadie's face kind of do that kind of like, uh... Yeah, they're clearly on different communicative pages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I've written down here the accident. The incident is what they actually call it. The incident, sorry, I've written this down incorrectly, but kind of dark. (laughs) There's like, oh, we don't bake on site anymore because of the incident. And there's just... Like a burn mark around a body <laughs> on the wall, like a silhouette of a person. Yeah, it's like on the someone wall. got incinerated. Yeah, like, like that's, um, that's... I love even even the music plays like a dark note on that part. Yeah, I, I, I like the mystery of just being like the, the incident. Like we didn't, we couldn't clean it up. It's just the incident. We don't talk about the incident. It's the incident. <laughs> it's it's great because obviously in universe it's played very seriously but it's obviously written as a joke yeah but that means like presumably someone died yeah the punchline of the joke is ha 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 isn't it funny that we're not allowed to cook donuts here anymore because that person died (laughs) presumably in a fire (laughs) seemingly like the the way they're posed i imagined like a cooker exploded in the yeah it it seems like it was a surprise like they got got blown back or something i can imagine it being amethyst though (laughs) <laughs> oh, let's hope not. Um, so I like the way that they, in this try and portray that both Sadie and Stephen are young characters, hmm. and this feels like a joke mainly for the adults watching. Um, what? This is a VHS. What's that? It's kind of like a square DVD box <laughs> that yeah. you yeah. do stuff with. <laughs> I also like as well, when they actually put the video in, it changes the aspect ratio. Yeah. Yes. Like it actually has the black bars on the side. Yeah, we get Mr. Smiley's uh, Donuts at the Big Donuts song. <laughs> yeah. Which, both me and Ratter, we just sang along to that. <laughs> yup, every single line, we know yeah. all of it. I can A treat when you are that. down, the yeah. Donuts at the Big Donuts. Donut. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I like that Mr. Smiley gets that little bit of extra background where he's mm. he existed before being the person who runs the the arcade like he had a history that brought him to that point yeah. is quite An nice actor slash r&b singer yeah um and i just wanted to point out like there's something interesting about mr smiley when he comes in and steven mentions the song <laughs> yeah mr smiley is like very excitable about like, oh, someone knows my music and my career and my creativity, even though it was a donut store infomercial jingle. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting contrasting Mr. Smiley's pride in his frankly kind of embarrassing work and Greg's mm-hmm. <laughs> shame in what is at times quite impressive music. Yeah, I agree. Like, Greg does much more impressive work but he's kind of embarrassed by it but Mr. Smiley seems he, he will, he's disappointed when Stephen kind of says oh that's what you used to do yeah, yeah. he's like used to do it's, oh, it's no. like Mr. Smiley his stuff is good but it is it's very commercial and he's he's still proud of it it's like no I did a thing for mm. work but I made it and I'm proud of it even if it was for work yeah. whereas Greg made this like passion project of love and he's embarrassed by it and that's mm. Kind of sad. It is. I um, think it's because he kind of gave up 
on his like dream was Greg, whereas Mr. Smiley hasn't given up on his dream yet. His dream kind of gave up on him. Yeah, I think, well, that's the thing. Like, he gets upset when Stephen's like, oh, you used to be, and he's like, oh, kids did it. Yeah, it's a good point. I yeah, think that, he hasn't yeah. given up on his dream yet. He's kind of like, no, no, I am still part of this, yeah, even but, if I do run an arcade. But to Greg, it's like, I tried really, really hard on this thing, and it didn't work, and it failed. And that's yeah. what it's kind of like, embarrassing. Yeah. Stephen, uh, like, Greg still makes music as the show goes on. Yeah. And it's it's a real shame that he doesn't view that as his, his musical time still going on. He's like, no, yeah. that was when I made music when it was my full-time job. And now that it's only a part-time job, it's, it's you know, it's it's a silly thing. Now. It's yeah. a hobby now rather than a career. Yeah, and that that makes it somehow less valuable, which is really yeah. sad. It reminds me of, I mean, it's like tangent, but it, do, it does remind me of the people that kind of give up on their passion projects when they hit the point where they're like, oh, I'm too old now. I failed. So at the end, mm. and just kind of stop. I, I think it's interesting that so far, Greg was not in this episode at all, and he's probably the person we've spoken about the most. <laughs> That's because, true. Because yeah. Mr. Smiley just provided a nice counterpoint for him. Mm. Um, so, nice continuity point. There is... Uh, there's just that wrestling poster for Tiger yes. Millionaire and Purple yeah. Puma. There in the back. Presumably Lars put that up. I would assume so. Oh, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that. It's the ones so. that Stephen was drawing as well. Um, I did notice it yeah. looked kind of drawn. Yeah, I forgot that Stephen hand drew some. Yeah, he that's... hand drew it and he was like, it's promotional work. It's how they got caught out, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, because he was drawing the money and Pearl was like, what is this? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I would have noticed that had we not just watched yeah. episode 122, Tiger <laughs> Philanthropist, which is about the Tiger Millionaire <laughs> character again. <laughs> Um, One thing I want to mention about um, Mr. Smiley in the video, he has like the 90s hair uh, where it's like the square (laughs) and now he's completely bald. (laughs) So it's like, that must have been quite a long time ago because you have lost every like aspect of your hair now. Mm. Well, it's weird to think that anything on a VHS at this point is at least probably... 15 years old? It's quite disturbing. Yeah. That feels weird. I'm like, I only had VHSs when I was kid. DVDs weren't a thing when I no, was really little. It's, it's weird to think like, oh, DVDs only started to exist maybe 15 years ago. Yeah, and like... even then, having a DVD player was kind of a big deal. Mm. I couldn't afford one until they were really old. I think... Well, not really old per se, but I remember it cost like £80 to get this DVD player. I did the thing that lots of people did at the time, which is when the PS2 came you out. You bought a PS2 because it yeah. was the cheap <laughs> yeah, DVD it's like, player. It's, yeah, it's a game console and a cheap DVD player. Oh, that, that, it, that was such a big part of what the PS2 did well. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It was an affordable DVD mm-hmm. player. Um, so yeah, what else do we have on here? Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about Sadie's uh, Player 2 story. Um, Army of War. Army of War, yeah. So, is it just me, or is there a moment where she kind of implies maybe they weren't playing video games and might have been doing something else that that you don't tell a small child about? Yeah, I got that as well. (laughs) I didn't. Maybe I'm too innocent. (laughs) Well, she said, and we spend the night, and she gets like the dog. Well, Um, she says about spending the night, and then Stephen says something like, uh, oh, that must have been some video game. And she was like, oh... Mm, yeah, yeah. She she heavily implies that she wasn't thinking about spending the night playing a video game with him. I could see that. My I, my innocent. Are you inter- too innocent? <laughs> my my interpretation of it was just that um, they 
played the video game and then they kind of just talked and I fell asleep and to Sadie it's a memory of like oh it's that time that we spent together in his room but to Lars it's you just you are the wow. Steven of this I, 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 think, <laughs> yeah. I think the thing is like I don't know that that's what they were trying to imply no considering, it did feel like it was considering how the end of the episode is all about like you, you this meant something to me. Did it mean nothing to you? Yeah. The te- like the handhold she does. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that might have been some physicality between the two of them. I think like it works against what I just said, but <laughs> <laughs> also when Sadie says you took the day off to spend with another girl. Yes, it's yeah. It seems like at the very least something happened between them that gave Sadie the impression that they was something unique, whereas Lars definitely doesn't see it that way, yeah. and. I'm not saying this is what happened, but let's say there was an encounter between the two of them that meant something to one of them and not to the other. I can see how that would lead to that way of them interacting. Another thing, just um, Sadie, I think she accidentally admits that she likes Lars because Stephen is like, well, why can't we replace Lars? And she says, I like Lars, but she puts a lot of emphasis on the word like. Mm. There, there is a lot of implication that at the very least she's romantically interested in yeah. Lars. Um, so yeah, Lars fakes his illness and um, when Sadie finds this out, she's initially crying and Stephen mm. tries to get her attention. Sadie turns around and she's made a fist at Stephen that mm-hmm. she then has to put down. Like when she, when Stephen turns her around, she's making a fist, which is yeah. kind of scary. Yeah, her reaction is very emotional. Yeah, she's sad, and she's definitely channeling that into anger, which yeah, shows I, through I her actions. I think that's one of the things. Like a lot of people use anger to defend against feeling sad. It's kind of like mm. instead of feeling sad about this, I'm going to get angry about it instead because that way I don't have to feel the things. Yeah, anger is often a secondary emotion used to mask something like sadness, mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm feeling this thing I don't want to feel, so I will channel it into anger to avoid that first feeling. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. anger feels like a proactive alternative. It feels like you're doing something if you're angry. Mm. And it doesn't, like, with anger, it doesn't feel like it's hurting. Yeah. So much, it's more just like, I'm just channeling my energy into this thing. <laughs> it, it reminds me of that uh, What's the Use in Feeling yeah. song that comes up later, where like Blue Diamond clearly, she likes to think she doesn't feel anything. She's feeling angry. But she's like, no, anger's fine. Anger's not an emotion. What are you on about? Yeah. Anger's the not feeling emotion. <laughs> I love that song. I look forward to us getting to that. Yeah. We've, we've got a way to go to get that song. <laughs> well, I remember when that actually first aired and we watched it, we must have talked about that song for like, what, an hour? There's a yeah. bunch of, like, I'm excited for us to reach like toward the end of season one because that's when we start hitting like the songs that I'm pretty sure we'll talk like an hour about yeah. a single yeah. song. Um, so... Another like really sad little Sadie moment. Um, she talked. She talked about how one of like her favorite thing is these oyster crackers, and mm. it meant a lot that Lars got some of them, and you know they had them waiting when she got there. She sat in the big donut eating oyster crackers alone. Oh, I miss that. No, I miss that. They're too. shaped like little oyster shells, um. and they're like crackers. She's eating oyster crackers. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's oh, your favorite thing, and it's the thing that's from that but night yeah. with Lars, and you're eating them alone. Aww. The thing that I noticed as well about, um, like, 
how she's talking about Lars is that he's only nice when he wants something. Yeah. Like, he was really nice and did all these things because she waited seven hours to get a game for him. Well, that's the thing, but, like, the way I see it, like, Lars is kind of an asshole. He's, he yeah. seems like a really manipulative person. Yeah. I, I really don't like the... Like, personally, I can't stand shipping Sadie and Lars as a couple. And this episode is a big part of where I'm like, you deserve better, Sadie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because like, he's the only one that's done anything wrong. He has lied to her multiple times, left her feeling like let down because she's caught him lying. And that's an understandable thing for her to be upset and angry about. And she ends up being the one like on the back foot explaining her emotions, explaining why she feels that way. She ends up like, Lars does that thing that abusive people sometimes do of um, I get it if you if, if you feel like you have to be alone it's the like oh no no I'm gonna go walk away now and it's up to you to stop me kind of thing yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like when it's flipping the responsibility around to be yeah. like now it's your responsibility yeah. to look after me he, he puts like, the res- it's your choice yeah. it's no longer me who's doing anything wrong if you let me go you can't complain at me because you could have stopped me Mm. yeah and that's where Sadie then has to go no 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 it's okay because Lars does the I'm upset I'm going to walk away thing when he should be like feeling shitty it's you know I don't I don't like Lars Lars He he has redeeming things later on but this is one of those like Sadie you deserve better than Lars absolutely um, One thing as well with this, um, when Sadie agrees to do the fire salt on Lars, it's Stephen that suggests it, and that's because of Amethyst. Because Amethyst, like, they are all, regardless of Amethyst being, like, a big sister role, it's people who Stephen looks up to. Mm. And Amethyst pulling pranks on Stephen is saying, this is how you are, you are supposed to behave. This is normal behaviour, this is acceptable behaviour to do. And I think Sadie thought it was acceptable behaviour because someone suggested it first. Yeah. Stephen. Stephen's usually the good, behaved, nice one. Yeah. Stephen suggested it, then therefore it's fine. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Stephen thought it was fine because Amethyst did it to him. It's, it's a lot of shifting responsibility yeah. along that and chain. It's, it's kind of like, well, Amethyst did it, why can't I do it? And then it's like, well, Stephen was willing to do it, so why can't mm. I do it? There is a there is a really sad line from Sadie toward the end, which um, let me find it. Player two, is that just your way of saying I could have been anyone? Yeah. Mm. I'm like, oh, Sadie. <laughs> I was just like, I want to hug you. Uh, so, have either of you got any more notes on this episode? Just one more thing from me, which is um, when Sadie says you were you lied about hurting yourself. To hang out with some other girl, Stephen again not understanding the relationship thing says and other boys. Well, you say that I've had my moments of thinking that Stephen may have a crush on Lars, but yeah, like it does seem that sometimes when he's kind of like the, we're BFFs. So it's like the the sort of thing. The amount to which he idolizes Lars, I could see them being like, yeah, hey, he's got a bit of a crush. Especially in the most recent episode that we've seen. He he, he very much wants Lars to like him. Yeah, he's going very far out of his way to get Lars to like him. Stephen and Lars sitting in a tree. <laughs> I did really like at the end of the episode that Amethyst 
Like, once everything is kind of solved, Amethyst comes along and is like, we make a pretty good team. Yeah, it seems like you didn't do anything. <laughs> And yeah, like, mm. she's she's amused by the carnage going on. Mm. She's just like, ah, whatever. It'll sort itself out. It's, it's an amusing role for her to have in this episode. Like, she's basically just there to kind of cause havoc and then be amused by it. And she she has like like no comeuppance or anything against her in this episode. Mm. She completely gets away with it and just kind of like, yeah, meh. Amethyst often takes credit for things she hasn't done. Like the very first episode, I think it is, with the Cookie Cats. Because Garnet says it was my idea, and Am- Amethyst goes, "We all thought of it." And Garnet, Garnet's just like, "It was my idea." <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, if we've got nothing else on twenty-one, next up we have episode twenty-two, Stephen and the, the Stevens. Stevens. So I kind of want to ask you about this first, Mia, where you'd like to mm. start because of the fact that you saw the pilot for the first time when we started watching this mm-hmm. show, and. There are some bits, uh, there is at least a thematic element and an item that are reused here. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts on this, having seen the pilot now. I don't have anything interesting to add. (laughs) No, I see what you mean. Basically, they've used the idea of the item that can go back in time again, but it's a very different type of episode and a very different type of story. And they can use it for different things. I think, for me, the thing that I found interesting is that they used the same item to make a plot that's not necessarily much longer, but feels like it has a lot more things going on. It's a lot more fast-paced, point to point to point. It's got a bigger conclusion. And I think that shows a lot of what they learnt from when they did the pilot up to getting to this point in the show. It's like, oh, we have the same plot device we can do a lot more with this. Yeah, I think this episode is a lot stronger tonally. Mm. It's an episode that has a lot of humour in it, but it also has a lot of dark moments in it that I think get played off Mm. very well. The pilot does feel a little bit unsure of itself at times. Yeah. Yeah, I I wrote something down for like my overall feeling on this episode. It is a very light-hearted presentation of some very dark themes. Mm, Absolutely. It has some really dark stuff going on, and it's all played off with, like, sudden cuts to, oh, oh, a bunch of Stevens just, like, melted into nothing. Jump cut, Mm. it's song time. (laughs) Again, it's that idea of, like, this is so ridiculous and dark, it becomes a joke. If we pace it quickly enough, you won't have time to think about how dark this is. Like, the conclusion of this episode of all the other Stevens dying, and seemingly, like... A lot of them don't want to die. No, they're going, please don't. (laughs) You could have played that in a much, much darker way. But as you say, they do the very kind of fast cut away from it. We're jumping right to the end. But the episode ends with Stephen (laughs) singing a bright, like, cheerful song about um, learning to be true to himself by watching watching himself himself die die. and creating Mm -hmm. alternate timelines and... Like that's yeah. You did some stuff, Stephen. <laughs> the the thing I started thinking with this is like, are we now technically watching an alternate reality of Stephen Universe than where we started? I did try to work this out. Um, yeah, we are not in the original timeline. We are in the alternate yeah, timeline. Yeah, because original Stephen, who we follow through this episode, is dead. Yes. <laughs> um. As as I can best work it out. In the original timeline, and this is just like trying to work this out mid-watching the episode, that timeline will have just had Stephen vanish, 
And that that's that's now a Stephenless mm-hmm. timeline. Yeah, and and that Stephen who vanishes is one of the ones who dies. Yeah. So so the original Stephen universe from the first set of episodes is dead. Yeah, the one that we've just spent twenty one episodes talking about. That Stephen no longer exists. They <laughs> died. died. Yeah. <laughs> Which is let's just not think about that for too long. It's one of those things where like it works in context of the episode and then going forward it's one of those like Rick and Morty does this as a plot device Mm. like they go into spoilers I guess I think season one they go into an alternate version and then later on they're like oh yeah we're not the Rick and Morty from this world they're dead we're we're their replacement it's it's easy to forget because yeah Rick and Morty does do that they they find a timeline that's near identical (laughs) to their own except that they both conveniently died at about the right time (laughs) And they're like, like, okay, we'll just replace that Rick and Morty. And then now, like, that season ended with Morty, ha- uh, like, with Rick having, I can't remember character names. Young one is Morty, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, with Morty having this existential crisis of like, I'm buried in the back garden. <laughs> I'm not your, the brother that you grew up with. Like, mm-hmm. it's, time travel stuff is dark. And Steven Universe is just like, oh, it, that happened. Let's just not about it. I would love if they're references because Rick and Marty is the only instance I've seen of them referencing this. I have yes. seen other shows do it. Star Trek Voyager does this mm. where Harry Kim gets yeah. ejected into space and dies and in the same episode an alternate version of him replaces the dead one and then mm. it just continues. I, Rick and Morty is the only example I can think of that does what Stephen and the Stevens does and then acknowledges it properly and is like, mm. let's look at the repercussions for the person <laughs> that knows that they're not the original in yeah. that timeline. Um, so, yeah, let's actually talk about this episode. <laughs> so that's how it ends. Uh... Um, yeah, so they're in the room trying to pick, like, oh, what's the time travel item? I really like how, and I'm sorry if you were going to say it's not just That's all right, go, go. How... Every member of the Crystal Gems, including Stephen, chooses a timepiece that reflects them. Yeah. Oh, this isn't where I was going. I was going somewhere very different. So okay. talk about this. How do they um, reflect them? So Pearl, because they're, they're trying to choose which one of the time, kind of, the hourglasses is real. I really want to rewatch it now so I can uh, have a look. Pearl says, oh, this one must be it. And it's a very kind of fancy one and very elegant like she is. Garnet's like, I think it's this one, which is the huge, large, imposing one, like Garnet. <laughs> Amethyst says, oh, it must be this one because it's really weird and kind of it's the most different from them. It kind of splits out into two. She describes it as like a really janky one. And Stephen chooses the tiny little one that's kind of among all the tall ones. It's unobtrusive and not big and fancy. No one's appreciating it, but it's And it's quite round. (laughs) (laughs) I I was going to go somewhere really different. I was going to say they're all trying to pick which timepiece to use. Garnet has future vision. She doesn't know which one it is. I have a theory about this. Okay. Is it because these are time travel items, they're not fixed points in... Ah. Like, they're probably not fixed points in a timeline. There's a lot of weirdness that, as we just discussed, goes on with, like, timeline jumping around. That timeline might not exist beyond the end of the day. Mm. That might be a series of reasons why Garnet can't just tell which one it is. Yeah. Is because maybe Future Vision can't predict the future for time travel items. That would make sense. Like, I can't see what what's going to happen because this is a time travelling item. We were talking before about, um, on an earlier episode, that his future vision is probably probably based on probability. Mm-hmm. So if this these are kind of items that split off into all kinds of different yeah. outcomes, then it could be something where it's, it's 
she's not able to see what's going yeah. to happen because so many possibilities Plus, can happen. In the original Stephen timeline where they're trying to pick the hourglasses, uh, in that timeline, Garnet never discovers that, <laughs> that Stephen had the correct timepiece because Stephen just vanishes with the timepiece. Like, maybe that's, again, why she can't see, see what happens because... Stephen just vanished and we never found out why. I love and the- maybe she can only see her timeline, not the alternate maybe. timeline. So, so she saw that one day Stephen will vanish and we will never find him again. Yeah, and we will never know why. <laughs> and just, she just continue without him. That's it. It's just uh, Universe is the name of that show. Yeah. See, I it's always- Greg Universe. <laughs> Greg is the new... Yeah, Stephen. you can take over. Yeah. I always took it like when Stephen um, grabs... The right little time thingy. I always took it as Stephen just having good instincts. I I think there's something to that. He yeah. seems to be very lucky. Yeah, it's kind of just like, well, I'll have this one. Yay! Mm. Um, so, a thing, and this is the theme I always bring back up because it's the obligatory <laughs> time to mention. Um, autistic spectrum, like, little potential nods in Stephen Universe. <laughs> Jingle goes here. Do, 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 do. Ah. Um, there is a lobster trying to leave the, uh, the gem house, and Stephen stops and has an out loud verbal conversation with the lobster to say, after you, sir. <laughs> that, that is, that is a thing that's about, you know, verbal interactions with animals. That's a maybe trait on the maybe pile. Put a tick there and move I on. I do that. I often talk to the now, pigeons when they're in the path of me. <laughs> I will talk to Smudge, our cat. I don't talk to things like seafood. I wouldn't talk to a lobster, probably. I don't know. I like. I talk to pigeons and stuff. Like, if there's a pigeon, I'm like, excuse me, as I'll go around the pigeon. Regardless of whether it actually means anything, it was a cute moment. Mm-hmm. Well, Stephen talks to the timepiece as if it's alive a lot yeah he does which he also it's kind of a trend because yeah. he also does this to the mirror with lapis yeah. in he talks to a lot of things that shouldn't be able to talk back mm-hmm. and that starts with animals but again as you said and I was leading to <laughs> he talks to inanimate objects as well yeah um, so yeah Stephen's initial reason for trying to do this is he tries to be responsible and to undo mistakes he's made with time travel see time travel's Something goes wrong. He's like, okay, I'll go back in time and stop myself doing the mistake. Mm-hmm. He very quickly forgets about that when the option to have fun is introduced. It's like, oh, we can be a band. Let's forget about <laughs> fixing the timeline. I think that might be another example of Stephen trying to do what he believes is expected of him. And then he just kind of gets distracted by what he would like I, to do. I think there's also some failing to learn from past mistakes. Yeah. Because Stephen, all of those Stevens in the final encounter know that this all got messed up because they tried to change time. Mm-hmm. Yet they all exacerbate the problem by continuing to try and change yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. Because what they should do is just go to Garnet and be like, we messed up, yeah, there's a bunch of us. Up. Help, Mum. How, how do we do this and fix it? Garnet's more dad than mum, I think. Yeah, That's Garnet true. is dad. That's the role that she seems to play in their little family. Well, it's kind of like <clears throat> the villain in this episode is almost like Stephen's oh, own immaturity. Yeah. 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 Um, one thing that I wanted to mention, uh, when the water starts pouring into the sea shrine, mm-hmm. 
Um, and when they finally get back home, Pearl says it'll be another hundred years for the sea shrine to reform. And I'm like, does it build itself? Possibly. Because the way she said reform made it sound as though it's going to build itself back up. Like, is it like, do gem techs work in the same way as gems in that once they're kind of like destroyed, they build themselves up again? Possibly. Maybe. And that's the thing I'd never stop to think about. Good observation. Yeah. I did think it was amusing that this is another instance of them going to kind of an ancient gem temple and And they're getting destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair though, it was Amethyst that ruined it this time, not Stephen. That's true. Stephen had a relative level of self-control. Yeah. he He only decided to take the little thing when he was like, but Amethyst is keeping hers. Yeah. Like, yeah, why does she get treat a my thing? sister differently to me. If yeah. my sister yeah. gets it, I get it. If she gets a tie, I get a tie. Yeah. Um, so, I like some of the interactions where Steve, the primary Stephen seems to forget the fact that they are all the same person. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, like, examples we have are I'm usually the lead singer... <laughs> Yeah, we all are. Um, <laughs> trying to create various roles for the different Stevens. It's like, no, you're all the same person. Yeah, I did I especially like, like the handsome one. It's like, you all have the same face and body. You <laughs> are all the handsome one. It's the whole, one. like, Beatles thing. Well, mm. If he wanted to, he could argue that he is slightly older than the rest of them and he has matured slightly more and that's why he's the handsome <laughs> one. <laughs> but the, the earliest, like... The first one he got was only two two minutes in the past. Hey, hey, two minutes is a long time to get handsome. <laughs> I think to Stephen, like, that makes sense. His logic. <laughs> um, the, like, oh yeah, I was doing I was doing this, that, and the other. We know. It's like, oh yeah, I was, yeah, I was joking. We, we know. I also like the, um, when he, does he say take five? And they'll go, there's a fifth Stephen? <laughs> yeah. They're all equally stupid and clueless. Um... I like how Stephen uses this episode to get slightly introspective about himself, Mm. only because he's forced to see himself from the outside. He walks outside and says, man, I'm annoying. (laughs) I thought that was really amusing. I I feel like that has to be one of those turning point moments that's like, oh, this is one of the moments that justifies his eventual becoming a more mature character. He does have to look at himself from the outside and be like, I can be really annoying and immature and childish and irritating sometimes. Mm. So yeah, where do we want to go from here? Oh. I've I've still got some points if neither of you do. I've got quite a few. I'm oh then go ahead, just say some. <laughs> go. Um, when it's just the other Stevens and not the main Stephen, their rock song that they do is way more like shouty. Yeah, yeah, and they actually refer to it as an angsty song. Yeah, Stephen's like, a big fat meanie. A big fat, fat meanie, meanie zucchini. Let's chop, chop him up. Chop him up. And serve him with linguine. Al dente. That's kind of dark. Well, they're rebelling against other Stevens. Well, <laughs> they actually call it an angsty song. They're like, oh yeah, like the angsty song we did when we were angry at you for not letting us be the ham- handsome yeah, ones. It's, it's meant to be like, you know, when one member of the band kind of leaves or gets kicked out and then it's the it's angry the dark, kind of... dark sort of... Yeah. yeah. It's like, how dare you? I do like that Amethyst decided to be on drums because it's such a funny moment because, like, Amethyst was one of the crystal gems 
is the first one to be aware that all this is taking mm-hmm. place. And, and she, she doesn't, doesn't care. Fix it. She's too laid back. I think she's just kind of like, she doesn't really see herself as having like the loyalty to the yeah. original Stephen. Well, no, to be fair, she's just that's kind of not like, her Stephen though. Yeah. <laughs> her Stephen is number four. Number four <laughs> is the Stephen from her timeline. So, to her, she's probably like, yeah, I'll do what Stephen Falls. Yeah, I think she, my Stephen. I think she literally says, like, yeah, I'm just, just rolling with it. Yeah. Like, like, this is weird, but whatever. Like, I think she's just kind of like, everything's weird around Stephen, it's, so... It mm. is It is weird to think about the whole fact that, like, Stephen number one to, to us is, like, main Stephen. To Amethyst, that's, yeah, like, that's not her Stephen. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they got into Stephen Farr's world. Yeah. That's what they're inhabiting. Yeah, so Stephen Farr so is, Stephen <laughs> is like, Amethyst's Stephen that's, like, in that band. We need to do the thing that they do in The Flash now, where they get the whiteboard, and they're like, this is Earthborn. This yeah, is this is what's okay. going on over like, there. I'm sure that probably exists. If anyone, like, can find one online of, like, <laughs> this is, as best we can tell, what the timeline did in this episode and where we're at, link it to us on Twitter at Crystal Clodcast. I would love to see it. Um, so, I wanted to talk about a moment that reminded me of all things of Pokemon the first movie. Wow, okay. I didn't expect you to go there. No. Um, <laughs> so, when all the Stevens are fighting each other in, Steve, uh, in the oh, time room, yeah, and okay. Steven is having his like sad moment of watching Steven punch Steven, he starts mm. to cry and he talks about, like, we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> You know, when Stevens are hurting other Stevens, like, this isn't right. And it felt like the final showdown of Pokemon the first movie, where, like, the Pikachu was punching Pikachu. That's, like, burned into my memory. That, like, scarred my 11-year-old self. Yeah, so, that. in my mind, like, whichever Steven... I think it's Steven, uh, number one Steven. Steven Prime. I think it's Steven Prime. <laughs> That has that moment where he's basically giving the speech to all the Pokemon punching each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like, oh. why are you doing this? Uh, who else has thoughts? I'm done. Those are my notes. Um, so. One thing that I noticed when they are like going back and getting like attacking more Stevens, mm. um, there's one Steven in the background who has a parachute that is like his shirt. It's just got the star mm. on. And I was like, where the hell did you get a parachute? None of the Stevens have parachutes. Well, there was plenty of time to go get one commissioned <laughs> and, you know, you'll still be on time to the past. <laughs> we don't know like what journeys that Steven has been on. Yeah, that Steven's seen some things. <laughs> I do like that they go back to older episodes. It's kind of those quick flashes. Yes, but it's also kind of timeline breaking (laughs) that we didn't see him there. Well, this is the alternate universe past, I guess. (laughs) This is the background of, like, episode whatever in Steven Universe, the universe number 34 or so. I do like the fact of the thought that there's a parallel universe in which people were watching Steven Universe (laughs) and, like... In that episode, a Stephen appeared and then vanished, and they're like, oh, maybe they'll do something with that plot like, point going forward. <laughs> oh, this episode is very different in their universe. <laughs> um, what else have you got, Ritter? Um, Hang on. Oh, the, one of the Stevens was on the floor crying during the fight because he'd been hurt. And oh. two Stevens were stood over him, kind of like being like, oh, oh no, <laughs> trying to like help him. <laughs> and I was just like, that's so cute. Well, there's the bit when they go back in time and two of them team up to trip up the other Steven. Yeah, one of them crouches down and the other one pushes him There are, like, Steven alliances going on inside this. 
And the last thing that I've got that I found interesting is that um, <clears throat> it's nice that Stephen seems to like debut on the beach like his dad did with Rose. Oh, I yeah. didn't think of that, but that's really sweet. Yeah, I thought it was really, really cute. Oh, and during that last song, the look that when he says he created an alternate timeline, the look that Pearl gives Steve and she's just like, what the hell just, did you just say? I've just had a thought. That's really nice that... It's really nice, but also kind of sad. Again, sad Greg time. Um, it's sad that Greg did his first show, no one came other than Rose. Mm-hmm. Steven's first show that he tried to get his dad involved in and his dad couldn't make everyone's there like yeah. it would have been so nice to have Greg on that stage because Greg could have felt like mm-hmm. he was important in music again I'm like filling in the backstory in my head now and I'm like what if at the previous festivals no one turned up because he said when Stephen says oh the whole town will be there Greg He's says like, oh, that's, that's like, like 15 people. people yeah what, what What if he didn't know they were going to be that crowd maybe it would have cheered him up maybe it would have returned to music uh, the, 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 <laughs> maybe there's an alternate timeline in that. which Greg goes to the music maybe. show Uh, um, so yeah with that we'll move on to episode 23 Monster Buddies so I have a point right at the start of this that's something I'm going to be watching out for going forwards Garnet bubbles Stephen and sends him in a bubble back to the temple Mm -hmm. I I can't think of any examples off the top of my head but I am certain there are points in the future of this show but that would be a really useful ability to have. Mm-hmm. I think they considered that it was too dangerous since the one time, one and only time they did it, he managed to unbubble himself and burst another bubble at the same time. Well, so if they, they just said to him in future, like, if we, if we send you again in a bubble in future, please wait in the bubble until we arrive back. Like, you, like last time you accidentally let the thing out, do you mind staying in the bubble? I don't think they trust him. I think, I don't think now they trust him. I think later in the show, they could totally trust him to be bubbled. My interpretation, and maybe I'm kind of like, kind of looking for an answer where there isn't one, (laughs) is that maybe doing so is dangerous, but because the whole cave is collapsing, it's kind of like, well, if we don't bubble him and send him away... He's going to die. He's going to die. (laughs) So we either risk this, or like risk him being crushed. I think they didn't expect him to be able to break out of the own bubble. It was also really weird because it kind of looked like the bubble was giving birth to Stephen as he kind of like clawed his way out of it. Well, I think I, I didn't pick up on this until this time watching it. it. It's they didn't expect him to be able to break out of the bubble because they didn't expect him to have bubble powers full stop. Mm. And this is the episode in which we learn he can bubble things. And that's presumably also linked to how he was able to oh, open a bubble. Yeah. Probably. Um, Wait, does that mean that Garnet could bubble herself technically? And Pearl, because we've seen both of them bubble gems before. Possibly? Maybe? <laughs> it would, it's... I, I don't imagine you can bubble yourself. Yeah. I, I don't think you can put yourself into a bubble and send... Because you've got to tap the bubble from the outside to send it. Mm. So you probably couldn't... Again, maybe we're looking for explanations where they don't exist. But my my reasoning would be you can't bubble and send yourself because you can't tap the bubble to send it unless yourself. it's a size thing like it's easy to create a small bubble around a gem but creating a bubble around a person yeah because obviously all the gems are tiny yeah. Stephen is considerably Steven. smaller than the rest of them yeah like especially yeah. Garnet Garnet's massive yeah <laughs> mm. so when 
centipedal in this episode is first unbubbled. Mm. Initially, mm-hmm. they start as a glowing humanoid mm-hmm. form. <laughs> they clearly knew where they were going with the centipedal yeah, plotline. Definitely. Like, as soon as I saw that bit, I was like, that's something all three of us that, will have that's noticed. That's that thing that we recognise from later in the show. Yeah, it seems that they're turning into, like, a woman, and then yeah. it's like, oh, and now they're becoming the but weird centipede thing. But they are thing. meant to be, like, a corrupt... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but again, like that's not a theme. You that, don't like, know it yet. It's something that's been explained yet in the mm-hmm. show, but they clearly knew that that's where they were going. Yeah, they, they clearly had written these, this. As, these as, monsters yeah. are not just monsters; they are humans that can't help the fact that they're corrupted, shi- and... shifting into into yeah. these monstrous forms. Mm-hmm. Um, which Stephen doesn't pick up on at all. But it's like no. they clearly knew that these monsters were fighting could maybe be healed. Um, and I think that's why they are bubbling them, the kind of like, maybe someday we'll not well, have yeah, to fix it, you. It does make the episode a lot darker, because yeah. in that sense, it's like, this is a person It who... makes the entire show a lot darker. Yeah. Because if you think, every monster that they have popped and bubbled... Is a person who's yeah, not in control yeah. of well, their own actions. It's sad, like, if we skip a bit ahead to the end where, like, centipedal's getting kicked around, like... Mm. The imagery is very similar to, like, kicking sort of, like, a dog or something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, like, that's a person who is non-verbal and doesn't understand what's going on and is scared and out of control of their, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's a person being, like, kicked around and terrified. And that's really sad. Yeah, like, they don't really understand what's going on. Yeah. Like, the whole thing that triggers them getting violent again is seeing Garnet's gauntlets. and they, being, like, they think that... They're going to get violent yeah, with it. They're scared. They lash out because they're scared. Stephen refers to it as female. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. It's... Sorry, I just, I remembered that then and I thought that could be to do with the fact that all gems apart from yeah. Stephen yeah, are yeah. female. They yeah. seem to present as female mm-hmm. and they use female yeah. pronouns. Um, so, yeah, Stephen wants to be friends straight away. This is a very Stephen thing. It's like, my solution to this problem is friendship. Mm-hmm. Um... So, I think there's a line that says a lot about how Stephen views the monsters and how little he's been told about what's going on. Hmm. Centipedal. It's not like the other monsters, it's just scared and confused. Hmm. The other monsters are probably the same. Like, it hasn't been made clear to Stephen these are people who have been corrupted, that are scared and confused and don't know what's going on. Steven sees the rest of them as just, oh, they're just monsters. This one, <clears throat> this one's different. It's probably not different. They're probably all, like, centipedal. Yeah. That reminds me of Rocknaldo, actually. Because um, he says that the bad gems are rock people, and he's like, yeah, but you guys are the crystal gems, and you're the good guys, but they're the rock people. And it's like, yeah, but they're the same thing. Yeah. Just with different objectives. Mm. Like, you can't say that one thing is a bad thing. And then say the same thing. That's a good isn't... point. Yeah. And they're all they're all kind of gems at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. And um, one thing I wanted to mention: the centipedal having like the big fluffy mane that it has. Mm. It reminded me of lion. Mm, and I was thinking, is that one of the reasons that it seems to like listen to Stephen, as well as the fact that he treats it with kindness rather than with brutality? Mm. Is that it's kind of like it a kinship? With lion. Yeah. Like, yeah. this this attitude worked with Lion, yeah. so maybe it'll work yeah. again. Well, when nice it's scared, he, yeah, like, when it's scared, he, he crouches down on the floor and he's like, it's okay, it's okay, and then lets it come to him. Yeah, he's it's, very good at 
understanding animal behavior and knowing mm-hmm. how to relax mm. in those interactions. Um, so I like that Garnet actively <clears throat> suggests that Stephen should train centipedal. But that's and... after Stephen has begged Garnet not to pop it. He was crying yeah. and oh, begging God, her, like, suggests, don't do like, it. you should, like, okay, we won't do it. You should train it. Like, yeah, she comes up it, with that, that creation. And when the, the other gems are like, oh, no, Stephen can't do it. Stephen can't do it. Garnet's like, you can handle it. Mm. Again, can she see the outcome already? Possibly. I was thinking that, and I was thinking, is there an alternate version that he could have healed it? I feel like that's the thing, is that she saw a possibility of it of it. Like, happening. is there a possibility that during this time he could have healed the gem? Oh, she knows that down the line he's He'd going to be heal able it. To do yeah. it. And this is like step one. Because we've seen step I, two. I think that future vision plays a role in yeah, her decision definitely. to let this happen. On that note, um, I don't know if it's just meant to be a joke or not, but Amethyst's... Um, point of when Garnet says to Pearl, like, no, he can take it. Amethyst says um, shut down by, by the, the G-squad. G-squad. Squad? Is that oh, a reference yeah. to her being two gems? Like, Garnet squad? I had a similar thought. I think the G-squad yeah. is a reference to her being a fusion. Yeah, yeah those, nice those two, mark. they're the G-squad. Mm-hmm. It's also Garnet being in charge. Yeah. Like, Amethyst and Pearl were both kind of like, Stephen can't do that, and Garnet was like, no, we can. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no one disagrees with the G-Squad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I like the fact that at the beginning of this show, Stephen's primary motivator was food. When he's trying to calm down centipedal and find some common ground, his default is to go to food. It is, this the is the thing chaps. that I like. Yeah, chaps. <laughs> chaps. Chaps. Uh, but yeah, he, he's like, what is a thing that I like that makes me feel good? I will offer it to this in the hopes that it makes them feel mm. the same as I feel. Even if, as he says, I don't know how you eat with an eyeball in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the kind of funny thing about it. Like, it has no throat. I yeah. don't know how it's swallowing these things, but... Stephen is definitely the audience, like, the audience, like, oh, what's going on? Okay, okay, we're not answering that? Okay. Yeah, it's just, it kind of, like, wink, nudge, like, yeah, the way we've designed this, it technically, like, can eat anything, yeah. but it yeah. is, because just roll with it. So I think feeding things might work, though. Like with Smudge, if you fed our cat, the cat would love you. Oh, yeah, she would. She would like spit acid against a wall if you fed her. Sure, yeah, she would. Um, she would do anything if you. Well, it's the some animal food. thing, isn't it? It's like you know, if you want a dog to like you, give it food. Yeah, it's like yeah. here's some food. Unless it's my aunt's dog, which likes people food way more than dog food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think our cat is the same. Um, yeah, so. Stephen does train a basic response here. Like, Stephen gives the, the thing food so it will like him. The centipedal defends Stephen from the seagull. Stephen is like, oh, seagull! And it's like, oh, that's a, that was a bad thing that I should spit at. You're the person that gives me chips. I will do the thing that I did before. Mm-hmm. And he does create a, like... If I do this, this happens. Yeah, the seagull noise is the trigger for, now do that thing. Yeah. So, like, he does a decent job. It's it's not Stephen's fault that this whole thing falls apart. Because if it wasn't for, Mm. like, Centipedal is scared of these weapons. Because they've been used against Centipedal. Like, when Centipedal was first bubbled, it was because those three weapons were used to beat it up. (laughs) 
Exactly. It also makes me sad, though. Like, when you think of Centipedal being a corrupt gem and how it reacts to Steven and that mm. it's friendly, it's kind of like, how many of the corrupt gems that they have popped and bubbled would have reacted in a similar way if they'd have only treated it with that kindness and Rather not with violence. violence. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, then they could just have these corrupt gems going around the house, kind of <laughs> just confused, but they would yeah. be... I don't know, it feels like they would... Because they will be confused, and I think they would feel more secure if there are uncorrupt gems around yeah. them kind of going, like, reassuring them, being like, we will find a way to fix you, we just have to get to that point. I see yeah. what you're saying, like, is is part of what we're seeing a self-fulfilling prophecy? Like, mm. the crystal gems turn up with weapons drawn, like, there it is, get it. How much of its reaction is, oh god, these things are coming, like, with weapons yeah. drawn? Well, like, I think a lot about it, like, the way that, um, sometimes when you have, like, let's say a dog from a, a house where there's been animal abuse going on, mm. and it's been, like, a male family member that's injured a dog, and then when the dog's up for, like, for being adopted... They'll say, like, can we, like, we want them adopted by an all-female uh, yeah, household because this animal will react negatively to seeing people that remind it of the person that inflicted abuse. Mm-hmm. And it's that sort of situation of, that doesn't make that animal bad for having that sort of violent reaction. Mm-hmm. It's an understandable response to a set of triggers in the past that happened. Yeah. And I feel like that's the case here with centipedal. It's... You can't blame centipedal for getting aggressive and scared and all of these things because you're putting it back in the situation that last time left it being bubbled and unable to exist for a while. And that's a very understandable response. I don't think the gems really process that. No. One thing that I was just thinking, do they still have their stream of consciousness whilst they are bubbled? Because if so, are they trying to reform their shapes and can't? I would argue yes, because when we see the, um, the the cluster much later on, once the cluster is bubbled, it can the the shards in it can still talk with each other once it's been mm. bubbled. Oh. So I would argue that bubbled gems can still have their consciousness. I'm thinking about Bismuth and if she was aware that she was bubbled. I can't remember, honestly. I don't remember her mentioning that. I know that the the fragments talk to each other still after they've been bubbled. So that's the only point I can definitely think Mm. of right now. Because that's really distressing if you think that they are trying over and over again to reform their bodies and they can't. My interpretation Mm. has always been that it's just being like asleep. Like, they're not dead or frozen, but... That that was mine until Retter asked that question. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> you make a good point about, like, the shards. Like, so, maybe not. It's maybe because they're all in a bubble, like, one bubble together, yeah. the shards, as mm. opposed to... Possibly. Isolation in a bubble. I don't know. There's probably some, some more solid, informi- like, logic to that that we will probably see later on. Um... There's a really sweet thing I thought about um, when Stephen's trying to hug centipedal to calm it down. He's getting burns on his back. Yeah, yeah. there's and acid he, burns. He still keeps the hug going. Like, he's no. getting actively hurt and injured, but he's still trying to calm this thing down. And, like, oh, that's like, yeah. oh, you, you really are going to, to an effort to, to do the right thing. Mm. Oh. oh, and just before that, when... Um... Centipedal is spitting on the things, you know, to get them through to the area they need to be at with the mm. falling star, shooting star. Um, 
Pearl looks really uncomfortable with, um, she's like, hmm, how can we do this? Because Pearl relies upon logic and she is not used to having to rely upon destruction to it's get a, it's places. It's a very Garnet solution. Yeah. In that it's just kind of like, well, if I do this thing, it, it removes all the obstacles. We see, we see Garnet next episode do it. I don't know how much of it was her, was her learning from Stephen That's and Centre People is... Okay, let's bash a thing so that we make a big hole mm-hmm. and get to the, Straight the solution. Through the Straight through. That's and again, Pearl was uh, very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. She's sort of just like, oh no. Um, so yeah, like the last little chunk I have on here is talking about Stephen is given hope of exceeding Rose. Something yeah. that very rarely happens is them all yeah. saying, maybe one day you can do what she couldn't. Maybe you could exceed her rather than maybe you could be her. No, maybe you yourself could be something yeah. different and superior. Like yeah. the exact wording of it is, you might help them in ways even your mother couldn't. Yeah, and it's so the, it's like this woman that we hold to impossibly high yeah. standards. You may surpass her in some ways. It's, it's the only time I'm aware of where they try and get Stephen to aspire to being himself, and that being better than the alternative, where he's usually told. Be your mother. Yeah. Reach that point and that's what you're going to be and you will fit into that mould. Here it's, no, you're different and you're special and maybe by being different and not being your mother you can do things that she couldn't. Mm-hmm. And that's something we don't see him told often enough. And it's completely different in the next episode. Yeah, mm. it ties Because really well they're kind of time. like, well, Rose could do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because on, on the next one, I mean, I know I'm kind of segueing, but related point... We see through the way that Stephen misquotes Pearl as saying, you're, maybe you'll never get powers and you'll be useless. He has an anxiety about, okay, he gets told in this episode, like, maybe you'll get these powers and you can do all these things you're willing And can. then he can't be... And then he's like, doomed. oh, God, but what if I don't? What if I don't do yeah. that? And I'm stuck being me and I'm stuck being useless. But I, I do really like the, the, the little sequence of things he does where he, he's the one to bubble centre people... Mm-hmm. And he does two things. He promises, um, one day I will heal you. Like, it's, he sets a thing of, like, I will do this. My mother couldn't, I will. I'm going to do it. And then he makes that really nice gesture of bobbling some jerks to, to, to send, send yeah. to people. It's, it's like, like, I know you like these. I know you like these. Have I think it was, like, I couldn't decide if it was him being like, it'll keep you company, or it was him saying, when we unbubble you... We will need some right, that's, chips. That's how I got it. Was like, I'm gonna send these. They'll be safe. They'll be there. We'll have them on hand. Like I'm coming back yeah. for you. I took it to be more like um, this is the thing. I know you like this. Yeah. So here you go. You know, almost like giving like an animal its favorite yeah. toy. Well, I think there's a bit of both. Definitely, there's like yeah. this is a thing that you like, but also it's like it's a physical representation of that promise. Mm. It's like. I'm sending those chips because we're going to need them because I'm going to heal yeah. you. I will admit, yeah. I did tear up a little bit of that bit. Well, he doesn't just say that he will do it. He says, I promise yeah. I will it's really back touching. and heal you. Yeah, and I I can't wait till we get to the other episodes about Centre People because I'm still, I'm still convinced that send, he's going to heal Centre People. I agree. Definitely. I think she will become a character. She's going to become no. a cast member. Like, I'm torn, and this is a Cute. question I've had for a while. Like... The question is, who is going to be the first corrupted gem that Stephen successfully heals? Yeah. Is it going to be centre people, 
Oh, or is it going to be Jasper? Because <laughs> both of them have compelling... There are compelling arguments to be made for both of them. Yeah, the last few times we see Jasper, there's definitely some stuff there that implies that she's going to be redeemed. Or she yeah. wants... She's a... She's portrayed quite sympathetically in her final kind of scenes. Well, and like, I have no doubt at some point when Jasper shows up, Jasper is going to get healed and it's going to, that's going to be the catalyst mm. for like, I, I saved you from corruption. That's team what Steven. I was going to say, <laughs> that she'll feel kind of obligated to join Team Steven because yeah. it's like, well, I saved your life, otherwise you would have just been this corrupt gem that I, would have been popped and bubbled. I, Oh, go on, Mia. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like that's kind of the end point of the series, is that Stephen will either bit by bit or through some gesture towards the end kind of persuade the diamonds and all the evil gems that his way is the better way, like friendship is yeah. the better way. In that wow. way, he defeats them in a way that Rose didn't. Or it could go a different way that I've just thought about, which is... Um, there are an awful lot of uh, corrupted bubble gems in the thing. If it turns out that Stephen does have the ability to heal corrupted gems, they could form an army very quickly. Yeah. They could have a very powerful so. army. I could see that too. I could see there being pressure from the gems towards Stephen to be like, okay, you you should be healing these. Heal them all up. We're having an army again. Oh Gem war. Yeah. Mm. Part two. I, I'm so curious to see where they're going to make... Gem war with a human make. at the front. Yeah, mm. I, I'm so curious about where the end game of this show is going to end I, up being. I, like I said, I, I feel like, I felt like for a while, the end point is Stephen persuading all the gems it, to be nice it, and friendly. It has and to be. But I mean, the show's about friendship and I, empathy. I feel like when Stephen does eventually heal... A corrupted gem, whether it's Jasper or Centipedal, mm. that's going to be the catalyst for very quickly moving into the end game. Yeah, like, I, I think once that happens, we move very quickly to the end game. Mm, I agree. I think seeing Jasper get corrupted is another reason that it's so kind of horrifying to think that the gems that they have bubbled are yeah, people because we knew because, her. Like we knew Jasper. We didn't like her. She was portrayed she as someone a, really like but horrible. She had a complex personality yeah. that's now gone. Yeah. And seeing her just have everything taken away from her and being reformed like into this animal mm. and she's just not herself anymore. That is so like harrowing to think that I... all these gems inside the heart that they're in could have they are all people and have these complex personalities that have been torn down by being corrupted i am so excited to find out about the personality of centipedal yeah that's also what's their actual name because they're not a centipede they're not a a centipede their their name's not going to be centipedal um are they based on a real gem? I, I know very little about real like gemstones. I don't recognise the gemstone there as being from an actual thing. Yeah, know. and it's circular, so I have no idea. Uh, I'd be it, curious it, it looks like a true. weird green Pokeball. <laughs> yeah, I always... like. Uh, there's a point in when Stephen's holding it up, I think it's after he's bubbled it, and you see it reflected in his eye, and especially when it's reflected in his eye, it just looks like a Pokeball. <laughs> So, do we have anything else we'd like to say about episode 23 before we get back to 24 where we talk more about healing powers? I am done. I'm done too. Okay, so let's talk about our last episode of the day, episode 24, An Indirect Kiss. 
I apparently have terrible writing. I couldn't read the word indirect that I had written. <laughs> uh, written. So, um... It's, it's some sort of kiss. <laughs> yeah, some kind of kiss. An, an, unindir- an unindirect kiss. <laughs> um, so, we have the framing device here of Stephen is telling a story to, um, to Connie about a thing that happened. And I like this framing device. It's used very cleverly. Yeah, story within a story. Yeah, like... Because the story within the story we get is Amethyst cracks her gem. Um, the first thing I thought was of note, she cracks her gem because she is overconfident and blustered of like, ah, I'm fine, and that's what causes the issue. Yeah. It's another jerk move of Amethyst because Stephen's going, no, I'm worried about you. And she's like, oh, are you worried? And she leans over the edge of the cliff. She's like, yeah, I deserve that. <laughs> Yeah, like, once she falls, she's like, eh. <laughs> I thought it's kind of like a nice time to when she says on an earlier episode, like, when Jem's poof, Amethyst is like, yeah, it's normally me. It's normally me that, that happens to her. Yeah. It's like, yeah, she's the kind of very reckless one. Yeah. I do like um, when she's like, nah, my gem's fine, and Pearl pulls down her top to expose the gem. Oh, yeah. yeah. She blushes in the way that you would expect someone who's having their top pulled down to expose their torso. Yeah. Would. when And she crosses their arms over herself. Yeah. It's but... like the gems are very kind of personal body part. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely played up like, oh, that's a private thing that you just mm-hmm. expose to the world. Yeah. Um, it's a very quick moment, but I, I think it's definitely what I it's I think that Pearl won't feel like it is so much because like hers is on her forehead. I, t- I, I agree and with Garnet's you. And Garnet's both, like, on her well, hands. I agree, but I, I read the moment as more like um, a mother kind of, like, checking their child. Yeah. Like, oh, like, you okay? And then are you hurt? Well, Let me see. I, I read something different into it. Um, the reason why she's ashamed of her gem being exposed is because she's the runt of her batch um, of gems. Yeah. It's, she's embarrassed by her gem because her gem is everything she wanted, like the failure she is like oh oh like your gems exposed you're an amethyst amethysts aren't meant to be like this it's if she covers it up then maybe she's some other kind of gem that maybe should be like that well she's the only crystal gem like obviously apart from steven that has their gem covered most of the time because mm. her shirt is high enough to be like across where her gem is Whereas obviously yeah. Stevens with his being on his belly button, mm. he does generally doesn't go around wearing like a belly top, so his is covered too. But like Rose before had the star cut out where her belly button That's is true. for her gem. That's true. Yeah. yeah, I think both of them are like Amethyst is definitely a bit ashamed of her own origins, which explains her having hers covered up. I think for Steven it's just that's not what defines me. I'm also human. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. Well, I've just noticed just from looking at the background that is uh, currently on the TV, <laughs> which is um, Lapis. Even Lapis is, she doesn't have it back. covered yeah, up even when it's on her back. Mm. Well, there is a moment where baby Stephen wants the gem uncovered because it's uncomfortable to be covered in yeah. that, that episode where baby Stephen later gets kidnapped. Um, yeah, it's... Like, it's apparently, it does seem to cause some level of mild discomfort to have it covered. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Pearl's response to Amethyst getting her gem cracked is, oh, you fell off the top of the cliff? We need a fence. 
It's a very pre- it's like I can't fix this solution, but I can prevent future situations. And we're going to make a fence, and that's problem solved. We're all good now. Well, she's probably also thinking, what if that had happened to Stephen? Yeah. Because if that happened to Stephen, he wouldn't. It's bubble. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, but if he didn't realize he was in danger until he was too late. It's it's like the mothering response again. You're like, oh, that's dangerous. We need to put this here to protect the children. Yeah. Um, so the trade is is made of uh, Connie and Stephen swapping the juice box for the glasses. Uh, Stephen puts on the glasses and asks Connie, who's now not wearing her glasses, how do I look? <laughs> Connie's response, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know, like, does Stephen just not get how glasses work? It wouldn't surprise me if does, that's the case. Do, did he just not realise that they were a practicality thing <laughs> and not a, a fashion statement? Yeah. I think that might be true because, like, after a little while... He's like, oh, I have a headache. And Connie's like, then give me back my glasses. He, he seems to not get that the yeah. two are connected. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Garnet suggests that Stephen might have healing power in his tears. And Stephen instantly is like, let's try and do this so that I can do the thing and impress everyone. He can't cry. <laughs> I do like that he cried apparently about snakes previously. Because they, they don't have they arms. They don't have any arms. <laughs> what I really like here is that the joke isn't, oh, Stephen cried, ha ha. It's Stephen cried over something completely ridiculous that he shouldn't have cried over. That's yeah. the joke. Now when Amethyst's in danger, he can't cry. Yeah, yeah. you can't yeah, cry over this, but you can cry over the sad state yeah, of affairs that snakes don't have arms. It's because he's like, maybe I'm just too tough to cry. And they're like, you cried earlier today because snakes don't have arms. <laughs> what are you talking about? I, just, I, I think it's nice that like a program aimed at kids has like a boy and they mm. never in this episode at all kind of make fun of him for being emotional for the act of crying or for the act of being emotional I think that's a really healthy message one thing I want to mention is that whenever a a gem has a cracked a crack in it it changes their appearance like when um, Amethyst has her crack when it's littler it's her eye that like bulges out Mm -hmm. but like when we first meet Lapis when she's not inside the mirror her eyes they're not the correct colour she's got no pupil Mm. it's just like this blank she also has no wings yeah she can't yeah so she's not complete without it it's hers it's interesting because her crack seems to be larger than Amethyst's was but seems to be having less of an effect on her appearance. I don't know how much of that is to do with the fact that Amethyst already does a lot of shape shifting. She's mm. already very loose with her form, which means that probably a small amount of crack is enough for her to. Ha- she has less control over her form anyway. Yeah. It could also be something to do with Amethyst being a defect gem. Yeah, this is not what her form's meant to yeah. be. And so she doesn't have the. I can't think of the right word for it. She's not like strong enough to be able to hold her form when she has a crack. Yeah. Immediately, even with a little cracker eyes like bulging out of one side of her head. It, it does seem like it's it's. I would guess that it's less that when we see Lapis in a couple of episodes, Lapis is some kind of amazing gem at at holding it together with a crack gem. I think it's more that Amethyst is probably conspicuously bad at holding herself together when mm. cracked. 
Um, yeah, like shapeshifting is her thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna have a quick skim because at this point, Amethyst starts talking backwards. And I have pulled up as a reference a transcript of the full episode, including Amethyst's backward dialogue. So, uh, I'm looking for anything particularly interesting, she, she says. Um, uh, I'm going home. Um, make it cry. You've got to cry on its own if your body can't. Hey. Uh, and then she slaps herself on the face. Um, so, like, she's she's trying to get ideas across, but they're very fragmented backwards sentences. Mm. She's seemingly aware initially that she's talking backwards and that it's it seems to be throwing her off of her ability to talk properly. Right, she okay. goes she goes to full sentences shortly afterwards. Um apologies this is gonna like go ahead to the end of the episode. It's probably easier to just get these out of oh, the way yeah. Yeah. in one batch. Um the vines are coming to life and are going to kill you, Stephen, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. So, like, after she's had her first, like, have you ever spoken and heard yourself back on, like, a half uh, second yeah, later than you're you, talking? It once happened when we were talk. recording our other podcast. I accidentally caused that to happen to you through yeah. your headphones. I could hear it coming back, so my own I, voice, and it broke The me. fact that she later is talking in full sentences, I think that first time is just her, it's that that phenomenon where she's hearing her sound come out backwards and it's throwing her. And yeah. once she's like, I'll get out a, a couple of sentence fragments, she's like, okay, it's fine, I'll just power through. That would make sense. Yeah. Really. At the end of the episode, she mm. does say something fo- forwards. But yeah, very but you can fast. tell it's backwards, but like, forwards. She, yeah. she gets more comfortable with what's going on mm. as as this episode goes on. So um, yeah, because like at the very end, doesn't she say, "Ha ha, you worried about me?" Yeah. So ha ha, you care about me. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. care about so, me. <laughs> even though um, she can't be understood, she's trying to be. She's still very amethyst. She's very uh, don't worry or anything. I'm good. Hmm. Um, right, let's find some more Amethyst lines. Did I am <laughs> going through time. It's, this is fun because I don't know what they are. Yeah, oh, me either. Have you never looked these up? I've before? never done this. You can I see these things framed backwards on YouTube. Um, oh, that's really yeah. cool. Um, so, like, there are versions of this episode on YouTube where everything's forward, but when it gets to backwards Amethyst, oh. they play the scene backwards so you can hear her properly. That's cool. Um, a little help. So it's all it's all practical stuff, even though no one can understand her. Um, cheer up, will ya? Uh, and we're getting through here. Ha, ha yeah. Ha ha, you care about me. Oh. Is the one where she, she mocks him a little bit. Mm. How very amethyst. Yeah. It's really sweet that she goes to that effort of working out how to say it just to be the big sister mocking. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, no, this is our thing. You know, I, I'm okay. You and know. she's on the verge of death. Well, that's, that's it. Like, yeah. Doing. I think it's her trying to reassure Stephen that she's still herself. She's still yeah. in there. Yeah. She's still okay. I didn't I didn't read this as a moment of her being mean. No. no. It's quite endearing. It's, it's a kind of reassurance, even though... She yeah. is being mean. To yeah. me. I, I'm, I'm being mean to you, but that's because I'm me and I'm still here and yeah. I'm okay. Yeah, I think oh. it's because like he was getting frustrated. He was just like, I can't understand anything you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So she was like, I'm gonna say something that is very representative of me, but so that you can understand yeah. it too. Because yeah, she has justification for being angry or panicked at this point. Yeah, and she's yeah. just kind of like, no, it's all right. The guys will fix it. They'll. they'll yeah. 
figure something out. Mm. We always do. Um, so jumping back a bit to when we first get to Everything's Overrun with Vines, <laughs> Pearl says something that's very clear <laughs> about the gems, uh, very clearly about the gems. Uh, look at these vines. They're directionless, pathetic, clinging things, lost <laughs> without her guidance. <laughs> I wonder if that's maybe about the remaining yeah. crystal gems. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something interesting when they get to the fountain. They get to Rose's fountain and Stephen isn't sure that that's his mum. He goes, oh, is that my mum? Mm-hmm. He doesn't instantly recognise, like, have they not shown him pictures? And There's have... the picture of the dog. There's the portrait, isn't there? It certainly doesn't seem like they've pointed it out and been, like, explicitly, this is your mum. Yeah, like, if this statue had appeared in where we are now, up to date... He would immediately know it's her, yeah. They would have had him immediately recognise her. It's definitely a sign at this point. I think he is a bit uncomfortable with how she looks. There is also some, like, things that sound very innuendo. Um, Mm. Like, with Pearl, um, when she's on about the fountain and she's trying to explain it to Stephen... She's like, oh, it is overflowing with your mother's... And she says a word Lacrimal that... Lacrimal essence. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, I was choice. like, what is it that you are talking about, Pearl? <laughs> <laughs> is, is, this a, is this a fountain of other fluids from Rose? <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's another thing with um, Amethyst. Amethyst is messing around, as she always does. And Pearl shouts, she'll exacerbate your crack. <laughs> and I was like, that just... Mm. It, after the sentence before, it doesn't sound too great. So... I kind of want to talk about the emotional touch, like, core of this episode, because there's a really good message for, like, a specific group of children in this episode, which is, Stephen is someone who never knew his mother. His mother died before he was born, and he doesn't feel sad about her death, and he feels bad about that. He feels guilty that he doesn't feel sad about a relative's death, because... I wish I could feel sad, but I never knew you. You were never in my life. I should feel sad, but I don't. And that's a really complex theme to tackle with kids. The idea of it's okay to not feel sad about someone's death if you didn't know them. Mm. And that sometimes you'll be expected to be sad about someone's death and you might just not feel that way. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're broken. It's, you know, just something that happens sometimes. I think it's also the thing of being allowed to feel sad that other people are sad about that person's mm. death. It's it's okay to be sad that you don't feel sad. That, like, you would... You feel bad about not feeling bad. That's a complicated feeling to explain to kids. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Well, I think as well with Stephen, he gets upset that the other gems are upset. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a really complicated set of feelings in yeah. that he knows he's the cause of, of his mother's death. He knows that his birth and his mother's death make made the other gems sad. He never met his mother, so he doesn't know what it is that made makes them sad. He can't feel sad about it himself, but he can feel guilty. He doesn't feel the sadness they feel. He doesn't have a reference point for why they feel the way they they do and how he can make himself into the person that would replace his mother and make the the rest of the gems happy. He just doesn't know where he fits or what he feels. 
And that's really sad. <laughs> yeah. It is. Well, I mean, in this situation, his mother is a concept to him, mm-hmm. not a person. Yeah. And he's obviously very confused and conflicted yeah. by that. Well, it's like, it's interesting. I've, I've seen things, I wish I had links for this, but I've seen things written online by people who have watched this episode who don't have parents whose like mothers died during childbirth and things like that. And it is this whole idea of in that situation. Yeah. Your parent does become a concept that like, Oh, they existed and I never met them, but they, they were a thing. Mm. And that's, yeah, it's a thing that is probably surprisingly common. And yet I can't think of any other piece of media that deals with, hey, it's okay not to feel sad about the death of a person that you never met. Mm. Mm. So yeah, we got into... That That was dark territory, <laughs> but now it's probably silly time again. Are there any silly <laughs> things we want to talk about? Well, it's not so much silly, but on similar note, but less depressing, what we just <laughs> talked about. Um, did you notice Stephen's body language in that scene? He crawls into Rose's lap like mm. a baby and yeah. kind of like looks up at her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh, one thing I want to mention real quick. Um, when Garnet punches like a rock through the vines, um, Pearl is really uncomfortable and kind of laughs and kind of goes, ha, 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 I'm fine with this. <laughs> and she's kind of, I think that's her being so distressed at the idea that something that Rose created may possibly be damaged or destroyed Definitely, is yeah. unthinkable I, to her. I'm laughing so that I don't scream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's she seems more distressed by the idea of mm-hmm. Rose's fountain being damaged than the idea of Amethyst dying. Yeah. So I have a question about this fountain getting fixed. The mm-hmm. fountain gets restored. Stephen then discovers he has healing powers at the end of the episode. Shortly after this, we're going to get the episode where Greg... Uh, gets his leg broken and he leads Stephen to believe that he failed to heal him. Hmm. And the gems are like, okay, maybe your powers are just a bit hit and miss. Why don't they take Greg to the fountain? Because there's a full fountain of roses. We definitely know they consistently work healing tears. Maybe they don't usually work on humans. Maybe they only work on humans when it's Stephen because he is part human. All I could think of mm. is that they don't care about Greg enough. I think that too. If it that's was Stephen, they would. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. It does seem odd that we don't have the fountain turn up again, considering mm. that we know it exists. Yeah, we it, have this thing we can use. It, yeah, it's like, why didn't they take Lapis there? Oh, because they didn't want to heal her particularly. Yeah, Lapis no. is t- kind of a villain when she turns Yeah, Stephen's there alone being like, oh, your gem's cracked, I'll, I'll deal help. with it. yeah. Mm. Um, so they disregard the possibility of him having powers and, you know, he plays that up in his head a lot because Stephen has insecurities. This is a big surprise to everyone. (laughs) It's a hilarious scene because we see Pearl deliver a kind of horribly harsh... Maybe you'll never have powers and you'll be useless and we'll never need you. Like, I had forgotten that that's not actually what she says. So watching it, I was like, wow. Yeah, I was okay. just like, whoa, Pearl, that's not, that's not okay. Um, one thing that is a recurring thing with Stephen is that he shouted whilst looking at the Rose statue that he couldn't make himself cry. And it's 
kind of his way of being annoyed at himself because he's like, well, you could do it. People expect me yeah. to do it. So if you can, why can't I? Mm. Like we are made I, of the same I thing. I think there's also some anger of why aren't you here to teach me? Yeah, why aren't you here to teach yeah. me how yeah. I'm it's, supposed to it's do this? the first glimpse of his frustration oh. at his mother. Yeah, which is a big thing in those recent last few mm-hmm. episodes yep. we've seen. Um, so... I like that Stephen has the self-esteem to assume that he has fixed the problem. I cried, and now the fountain's working, and tears were meant to heal things, and I fixed it. I think it sucks that the gems, as best we can tell, don't give him that victory, and don't let him be like, you did it, well done. I think it shows having more um, belief in Stephen. Well, we do know that this part is narrated by Stephen. It's, there is some false mm. narration. Yeah, there is a false He's narrator. A bit, he is on. an unreliable narrator, so I wonder, did Ma- they say that harshly? Or did he work out that it wasn't him and yeah. he's played it up as them being like, oh, it wasn't you. Because <laughs> that, that is sort of the beginning of it being oddly harsh. S- somewhere around there, the unreliable narrator definitely slips in. Um... So the thing that I think none of us noticed until we rewatched this episode, mm-hmm. Connie leans in for a kiss. Yeah. yeah. Definitely what she's like, doing. Because, yeah, like, we literally in the last couple... I, I think in the second episode of this podcast that we did, we talked a bunch about how, oh, Steve and Connie, the totally platonic friends that it's never hinted that it's going anywhere else. I completely in my head erased that this <clears throat> happened. I had not. Like remember this. I I do not. <laughs> I did not remember any kind of like. Oh, Connie has some kind of romantic feelings for Steve. Yeah, like it's, it's notable that we are saying that it's Connie, because that is what happens in that moment. Stephen's not going in for a kiss. Connie is going in for a kiss. I think to Stephen, she is just a friend. Yeah. Even though in later episodes, I can't remember when about it is, but um, we found out that Stephen is older than Connie. Because mm. yes. Connie's just like, you're older than me. What is it? <laughs> it's, kind uh, of... it's whichever one it is where he tries to fake, like to stretch himself. Yeah, yeah. to pretend like, to be birthday grown, episode, grown up. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's everything I had written down here. Stephen has healing spit, and that's like, ah, oh, you can heal with liquids, but ah, oh, he's a gross, gross teen boy, so it's spit. I also I... had another gross thought of. Do his other bodily fluids heal? Well, we know his tears don't, so we shouldn't assume that his other liquids do. Well, who um, knows? He doesn't go around peeing on people. So, Does like, he sweat heal people? Can he I, sweat on people? I, I did think of something, which is... This is the first time, and I think only time, I can't think of a future time where this happens, where Stephen has a power of his manifest in a way that's traditionally coded as a masculine thing. Like, I think spit being the healing vector rather than tears is, I would say, a more masculine coding than mm. tears being the healing factor. But well, every tears other... would make fence, fence? sense with Stephen, because yeah. he cries well, all the time. Is, tears would have made sense, and they would have been in... in it, they would have been in matching with most of the feminine coding for his abilities, like pink, roses, bubbles... Mm. Um, Things like that. Like, everything's very tr- traditionally femininely, femininely presented and the roles that you usually give to the female character in these kind of things, except for his healing factor being spit. And it does stand out. 
And I don't know why they made that choice. Well, I'm trying to remember the times he does use his spit, because he generally, does he lick his hand? Yeah, he'll lick his hand and put it somewhere. So at the very least, he doesn't, like, physically spit onto something. So the before did I think that's his innocent way of dealing with it, though. Yeah, but it is, like, it is a thing of note. Yeah, yeah that in, in a show that all kind of goes out of its way to show Stephen as quite a feminine boy, I yeah. think it's notable that they did seemingly here be like, this is the feminine thing we expect, but that's not what works for him, it's the masculine well, one. I think there's something to be said for, by coding every one of his abilities femininely, initially that's a subversion of expectation. Absolutely. In that you don't see it coming because that's not usually how it's coded. Mm. And then this is a subversion of, oh, you thought we were going to code everything <laughs> femininely? No, we're going to code one thing masculinely just so that you don't get complacent. We we don't have to stick to this. We can do what we want. We're Steven Universe. It could be that. Yeah. I think it's also the first sign that we get that Steven is not his mother. Yes, it's he, different. It's like, yeah, it's the same power, but it is different. It is activated differently. Yeah, it's not like he's just slowly getting all of his mother's mm. powers kind of in a linear fashion. One thing that I have written down that I haven't mentioned yet is just that Stephen, with his uh, being paranoid and having his own self-doubts, he is concerned that if his powers don't be, don't like appear now, like or, or soon, mm. that the gens won't want anything to do with him anymore. Yeah, like that. He cares about them a lot, and he thinks mm. that without his powers. He's not one of them. Like it's conditional. Yeah. Like he's only being kept around yeah, because his like, powers are coming. We like you, but only because you're going to be your mum soon, okay? Yeah. yeah. He he very much values himself based on the things that he can or will be able to do rather than himself as a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the role that Connie definitely plays at the end here is, hey, I don't have powers. You still like me because sometimes people mm-hmm. have inherent value as people, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's maybe true of you too, Stephen. So, and yeah. she also says something which um, she's kind of like, "Well, being here with me is is enough. Like, regardless of any of that, like mm. it is enough, and I will always be here for you." So it's like reassuring, but also kind of like. I can't guarantee it won't happen, but what yes. I'm saying is I like you for you it's, anyway. It's not as sing-songy or as romantically coded, but there's a lot of similarities between this co- the conversation at the end here and the awkward conversation between Ruby and Sapphire in the answer when they're mm. having the, oh, and uh, we're here, but we're here together, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, knowing what we're building up to between Stephen and Connie <laughs> doesn't necessarily surprise that mm. it's similarly coded. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, Connie's healing, uh, her vision gets healed and she just pops the lenses out of her glasses and just wears the frames. I love the payoff we eventually get for that where her mum hasn't twigged. Yeah. I'm so ready for that payoff. I love that payoff. Yeah, <laughs> it's because isn't it Stephen that actually mentions that he's kind of like you haven't even noticed that think she doesn't that. wear glasses yeah. anymore oh I, it is connie yeah. you're right it, it's, it's, the, it's to do with the sword isn't it it's an episode it's to do with like neglect it's it's the whole it's using it as an illusion for saying that like look how long it's been and you're so yeah. invested in work and not invested well, in me you haven't even noticed this really obvious thing yeah about like it. it's and it's, it's to do with the child's health as well yeah, yeah. so i think that's one of well, yeah, she's a doctor. It's like you're a doctor and you haven't even noticed that I haven't needed glasses for the past few months. 
it's really telling, like, it's without showing us, it tells us a lot about Connie's relationship with her parents in that usually my eyesight is healed. This person, you should like them because they were able to completely heal my eyesight so I don't need glasses anymore. That should be a good, positive, beneficial thing. Mm. Connie is afraid to tell her parents because they might think it's weird. They might not want to mess with it. She doesn't have the kind of relationship with her parents where she can go and say to them, I don't need glasses anymore. That's just not a thing Mm -hmm. that comes to mind. Her instinct is, let's pop out the lenses, let's deceive them so that I don't lose my friend. Yeah, let's continue to pretending. Yeah. She's continuing to pretend to be something she's not because her parents could potentially react badly to the truth. She keeps doing that as well, though, because she pretends that Stephen has a nuclear family. And he yeah, doesn't. Exactly. <laughs> he yeah. lives with three gens. That must be very close to episode. The one where they have the dinner. It comes up pretty soon, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of we get a lot of episodes soon that are about that relationship between Connie and her parents, but this is the first hint we get of she does not feel comfortable being honest with her parents about stuff if she's afraid that they'll see it as weird and that that might be a problem. Mm-hmm. I think that's another thing. I just thought of this off the top of my head. It's another um, sign of something... What was I saying? When a kid has overprotective parents, they don't protect the kid as much as they believe that they do. All that happens is the kid gets better at lying about being protected yeah like my mum used to very much dislike that i talked to anyone online like anyone that i didn't know in person that i talked to online she'd be like oh they're a predator they're gonna get you they're gonna kill you you're gonna die not to defend that behavior because that is not cool yeah but this was um around the time when there was a hell of a lot of scaremongering about that this was when like how was it yahoo are one of like the big kind of companies mm-hmm. shut down its all of its chat rooms yeah. because there was a lot of kind of like everyone online is a predator yeah. and they're going to kidnap you and you will be dead. Yeah, and then my mum was just like, right, you can talk to none of these people, and she just kind of like made me delete all of them online. And the way that I got around it is I got better at lying about still talking to these people through different mm. means online. Yeah, and it's just that thing like you believe it's, it's that you what, are doing yeah. what's it's, best for your kid and that, you're protecting them it's that them, thing but... about parenting that if you try and shut down behaviour you'll probably just push it to be more secretive and... yeah it's like you don't create yeah. a safer kid you create one who is better at lying yeah, about it clearly that's what Connie's doing at this point yeah. she's not being truthful with her mother about who Stephen is and what she's, she's like, doing I know if I tell you there's a chance that you might not let me talk to him and again. you'll take it away like has have they done that before like has there been friends before uh, and possibly. she said oh this thing happened and they've gone oh that's not good you're not you're not mm. to hang around with them again I definitely think that's yeah because like with me like I said I just stopped ever mentioning that I had online this, friends yeah and that's I, what kids do yeah, yeah like I remembered one email address of one of my friends because I learned that my mum didn't know the difference between blocking and just unadding yeah. so I used to unadd them and then if I remembered their email addresses I would re-add them and generally when I came online they would then talk to me and I'd just re-add them again mm. yeah and it's, it, it's just the way it's, of yeah. deceiving your parents that you get in order to cope with the parents not understanding. It's, it's the yeah. parents not understanding that what they're seeing as a threat is actually something beneficial and helpful to this yeah. kid. They just don't understand it. 
Yeah, like with me, I was lonely. I didn't have siblings or anything, and I didn't really have very many friends. Mm. So I made friends online. But my mum was kind of like, you're always on the computer. That's weird. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, you find ways as kids. But I, yeah. I think it's it's very telling of the relationship she has with mm. her parents. And it is so long before she confronts them about it. Yeah. She, she gets... She builds up a lot of secretive stuff over over the show. But, yeah, because uh, when she's trying to explain it's it's her sword, they're just kind of like, "What do you mean it's your sword? Don't be stupid." Yeah, why why <laughs> why would you say that? That's that's ridiculous. Like um, you you don't know what you're doing with a sword. Well, it's yeah, just because it's, because she thinks she knows her kid when in actuality she doesn't. Yeah, it's like you know nothing about her because she had to hide everything because. She knew that anything that you didn't like, she wouldn't be allowed to do. Yeah. Well, it's like what I did as a kid. I hung out in like transgender forums and had like a bunch of friends, and that was a giant secret. I knew I couldn't tell my parents, so my parents assumed I was talking to people from school, but I wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to make the same uh, the the same point of like, oh yeah, why why did I not tell my parents about being trans? It's like. Well, uh, it's, yeah, this came out of nowhere. No, I just didn't tell you about yeah, it. Like, it's yeah, like, it's been going on for years, know. but I knew you wouldn't yeah, get it. It's so. like, this thing yeah. didn't come out of nowhere, I just didn't tell you, mm-hmm. parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, I know that my mum occasionally listens to podcasts I do. If if you're listening, hey, mum, sorry. <laughs> your mother is lovely, so hi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> See, my mum would quit, even if she bothered to listen to any of the podcasts I do. She would quit this firing, because she'd be like, I don't know anything about this thing, so... I can't be bothered to well, listen anymore. my parents have never really taken that much interest in anything I do online, so fuck them, they're not going to listen to this. <laughs> oh, I, I doubt High my, five to that. I doubt my mum's listening this far because she doesn't watch Deepin Universe, so she probably isn't listening this well, far in. But... Like, we met it with our friend Joe today, and he mm-hmm. did say, like, he listened to the first episode and was like, it seemed good, but... I don't watch Steven Universe, so yeah. I didn't really know what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's, that's the encouragement to watch the episodes along with exactly. us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, watch along, learn what's I have had a couple on. people say that, which is mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so with that, that's probably a good place for us to wrap up. Considering we only had four episodes to talk about, we have gone on a while today. Okay, I have a final thing to oh, mention. Go, go, go. Um, uh, something was brought to my attention... And I am trying to scroll to it on my phone, but I'm in the wrong album. Okay, I've opened it now. (laughs) Um, Someone pointed out that they had created something kind of cool, which is they had created what they call the Crystal Toolkit, which is um, kind of a workbook type thing for teachers and kind of youth group leaders that allows them to talk about kind of social justice issues through Steven Universe to kind of make it more approachable. This sounds awesome! So I took a quick look through it and it basically talks about stuff like immigration using like the gems as an example. Of like, you know, like Amethyst is kind of like the parent, uh, the child of immigrants in a way. She's not from Earth, but she lives on Earth. She grew up on Earth. She's from Earth, basically. Yeah, Yeah, it's like she was... Like, born and raised there. Yeah, like, like Ghana lives on Earth uh, because she can have a better life Mm -hmm. there, even though she wasn't born. She's avoiding persecution for her relationship. Exactly. Like, so if anyone's interested in it, this was um, created as part of the Harry Potter Alliance, which is a group of fan activists. If anyone's not fan activism is, then you can either read the essay I wrote about it while doing my master's degree, 
or listen to this description, which is basically fan activism is basically any type of social activism that's done by fans of a particular product where they're kind of uniting together as fans and then going that step further and kind of trying to enact positive social change. So the Harry Potter Alliance is a group of Harry Potter fans, obviously, who do this. But they've created these kind of (laughs) toolkits of other kind of media Mm. as well. So the kind of short link to the Crystal Toolkit is, um, it's a bit.ly link. So it's just bit, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Crystal Toolkit, all one word. And then you can go download it and it's really cool. That's that's a cool resource that you should probably go check out. So yeah, now's the bit to do self-promotion. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. Self-promotion time. Uh, Retta, where are you on the internet? I am Supar Retta on the internet. (laughs) S-U-P-A-R-R-A-Y-T-A-R. Mia, where are you on the internet? I am Omiagod on Twitter. I am also on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash MiaViolet. Um, pledges would be greatly appreciated because we are broke as hell right now. So <laughs> yeah, you're being broke. <laughs> if I starve to death, then there won't be a podcast anymore. So that's incentive to donate. Well, there will be, but it'll be me talking to myself, and that'd be far less interesting. <laughs> you know, if you don't want just like two hours of me talking with no one to offer other viewpoints, <laughs> then you know, support support Patreon. What if some people want that though? Then maybe they'll be like, maybe I'll cancel my pledge to create no, this podcast. No, no, don't. If you want that, tell me and I'll also separately do like, we'll watch the episodes of the group and then I'll be like, here's the podcast you go to if you want just me alone. <laughs> or you could release a version where you just edit out me and Retta. And I'll, just I'll just do podcast. my audio track and yeah, nothing else. Go. Yeah. <laughs> really easy to do. Oh, I can do that fine. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, also, I have meaviolet.com, which is my website. I reviewed Logan recently. It was really good. So if you're bored of me writing about trans stuff all the time, I actually wrote about a piece of media. Woo! That's me done. You can find me at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter. Uh, Laura K. Buzz on YouTube. Laura K. Buzz on Patreon. Uh, On YouTube, you can currently see me doing a full playthrough of Breath of the Wild, the Zelda game that just came out. Uh, You can also find me on Defiant, where I recently wrote a thing about trans people and Donald Trump, because that's a a world that never runs dry. Uh, Basically, just Laura K. Buzz everywhere. You'll find me. And there you go. Thank you for listening to another Crystal Clodcast. Bye!